The Philadelphia Flyers find ways to keep on winning. The San Jose Sharks figure to be very active at the trade deadline. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are searching for answers, especially at scoring depth. We've got all that and more coming up on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Gil Martin here. Welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Know your eyes are not deceiving you. It is not Friday. It is Monday. But my Friday co-host, Rachel Donner, the co-host of Locked On Flyers, is here to talk a little Flyers. And Rachel, three wins in a row. Uh, The Flyers keep finding ways to win. Yeah, it's been interesting because they had a rough patch leading up to the All-Star break, and it was really important to come back strong, Um, and they were able to do so this past week against Florida, against Winnipeg, and then over the weekend against Seattle, and they won in very different ways, and the game against Florida was the first game back for both teams. They were sloppy to some degree, Um, but the Flyers found a a way to win, and Um, They then in the next game against Winnipeg had a tremendous first period um, going up three nothing and then played pretty lousy for the rest of the game. But Winnipeg just wasn't able to to get it together either. So um, and then played just a, a solid game across the board, I think, against Seattle. So they're finding different ways to win, I think, in these games. And. I think I may have mentioned this before on uh, the Monday show here, but the Flyers are doing something different this year and that the resiliency has been there all season long. They don't give up on any game. And more importantly, I think they don't play to the level of the competition. They play their game every single day, you know, game in and game out. And I think that makes a huge difference. And that it keeps the consistency and that resiliency going. You talk about consistency. Let's talk about John Tortorella and the job that he's done this year with this team. Yeah, I think it's been interesting to watch because, you know, there are generalized concerns about him as a coach um, out there in terms of him working players too hard and draining them physically so they can't like last through a season, um, you know, his defense is very block shot oriented and, you know, he hasn't been able to develop young players. Well, I think those are the top critiques of him as a coach. And with the flyers, I think he's pushed past like one and a half of those things. I think that um, the way he's helped motivate this team and make this team want to play for each other um, and, play that kind of intensity. Um, They want to do it. And I think he's been successful there. I think he's still struggling in terms of integrating more of the younger players more often. 
Um, you know, he's Igorzamul is only getting in really when it's an 11 7 setup and not a 12 6, you know, to some degree. And I don't know that I like that. Um, but he's managed to also kind of mix up the defensive structure and not rely entirely on block shots for every game. He uses it strategically, which I know, shocking, but it's, <laughs> yeah. but I think he's being really smart about it now. Um, and of course, you know, bringing in Brad Shaw and the power kill with the Flyers has been just a huge addition uh, this year to them be able to execute. Let's talk about special teams. The power play next to last in the league, the penalty kill second best in the league. What's yeah. going on? Well, the aforementioned Bradshaw and the power kill is what's driving the penalty kill. I believe the Flyers have the best net penalty kill because they, they're scoring a ton of shorthanded goals. Ryan Paling had two shorties uh, this week as well. So I think that's a huge part of what's going on there in that the penalty kill has a, a new life this year and adding Travis Konechny to the mix in the penalty kill has been a huge part of it. Um, he's a, a really strong element there. Power play. That is another question. Um, <laughs> in this last game against Seattle, uh, I talked about it a little more extensively on uh, Monday's locked on flyers, but they've been trying a couple new things here and there in terms of their setup um, who they're running the power play through, how they're using the point is a little different, um, how they're trying to get net front opportunities. So I think that uh, after a whole or two thirds of the season of them not really, you know, making any changes or significant changes to try and improve things, I think they're at least trying things now. And they did score one power play goal in this past game and had some really good chances on other um, power plays. So we'll see. I, I'm going to stay tuned here and see if they can make it better. Obviously, Carter Hart has been suspended uh, temporarily or indefinitely. Uh, right. How is the team responding both on and off the ice to his absence right now? Yeah, I think that there's a couple of, of questions here because – um, first off, you know, Carter Hart is gone. They, the NHL took the cap hit off. So I think that that kind of is behind them right now. Right. Um, as far as dealing with the kind of fallout from it, it was, it's hard to say. I think they were, they were definitely rattled. And I think that had an effect on the team, you know, right before the all-star break and they were losing those couple of games. I think having the all-star break that week off allowed everybody to reset and, you know, allowed the team to say, okay, we're going to rally around Sam Erson now. Um, Sam Erson also had to make those adjustments to being the number one goaltender and having that pressure. I think it was a struggle for him the first couple of games, but again, having that break, I mean, you look at the two games he's played since then, tremendous efforts on on both fronts. The stats were so much better than it was right before the break. And getting Cal Peterson more involved uh, sooner. You know, he played the Saturday night game against Seattle, and you might have thought that Erson would have played that game. But no, like, we got to get a second goaltender in the rotation more regularly and, and figure this out. So I think that things are improving on that front in terms of just moving on mentally. Um, as far as what it means, you know, in the longer term, I think that's what they do is ride it out for the rest of the season with Urson. And then Peterson, you know, as long as he's doing okay, um, 
if they feel like they need to switch it out with Felix Sandstrom, who's with the Phantoms, maybe they do that and see if they want to keep either of those guys. Well, I mean, they have to with Peterson, but um, the, you know, just seeing what they want to do. And then maybe in the off season, look to get a veteran goaltender as a backup to, to move forward into next season and just kind of go from there. All right. We'll see how that ends up playing out. Trade deadline now less than a month away. What do you think the Flyers are looking to do? I think they're going to be smart about it and try to find the right deals. I think they'll take calls on pretty much anybody, but I think, you know, the names that are out there are the names most likely to be traded. I think we're looking at Nick Sealer. We're looking at Sean Walker. We're looking at Scott Lawton to some degree. Um, and depending on what they decide to do with the blue line right now, there's a little bit of that log jam that I was talking about. And so do they end up trading Zamula because they feel like they can't fit him in? Do they trade Mark Stahl to allow the space for Zamula to get in? You know, I think there's a few different ways they could go with it, but they're going to make the right deal for the right price. Because I think the flyers, given how well they're doing, have the luxury of doing that. And they have a bunch of guys on one year deals, um, that, they can afford to let go at the end of the season. So I I do think the Flyers are in a really strong position here overall. And do you think there's a piece that they're looking to add? No, absolutely not. I think this, this year is house money. And unless they're doing a player for player deal in one of these trades that makes sense for a young guy to be part of this rebuild moving forward, I, I don't, I don't think they'll be trading for somebody unless it's a player for player kind of deal. All right, Rachel, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you and your co-host on social media. Sure. We are at locked on flyers pretty much everywhere on social media. Um, I'm at our Miriam on Twitter. You can find my co-host Russ Cohen at sportsology anywhere you look on social media as well. All right, Rachel, always a pleasure. See you on Friday. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. We're past the halfway point in the NHL season. But regardless of where your team is in the current standings, I want to remind you that you could win big playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is pick whether studs like McDavid, Crosby, or McKinnon will record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more in a given game. To win a 100 times bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, hockey fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleeper. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's Code locked on NHL. See sleepers' terms of use for details and locational availability. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Sharks, JD Young. And uh, JD, long, long by the Sharks, the only team who have not played a game in the month of February yet. Yes, uh, I, for one, have been enjoying a break uh, for watching this team. Uh, but yes, uh, we they don't even start until Wednesday. So uh, yeah, uh, sorry, sorry, honey. No Valentine's Day. I have to watch the Sharks and the Jets play. <laughs> <laughs> 
that'll go over really well. <laughs> Always does. What are the some of the consequences of having this big break right here in the middle of the season? I think uh, you'll actually see a healthy Sharks team for the first time. Uh, Logan Couture, who has missed the entire season until you know uh, a couple weeks ago when he finally made his return, uh, he came back. Uh, but as soon as he came back, uh, Mikkel Granlin, who had been having a really great season for the Sharks, got hurt. And it's just been kind of this shuffling of forwards, of kind of players just to try to put together a roster. And this might be the healthiest Sharks team we have uh, going forward. Uh, we might actually see all four centers uh with Tomas Hurdle, Logan Couture, Mikhail Granlin, and Nico Sturm all playing in the same game this season, which again we're gonna be at game 52 and we haven't seen all four of these guys play together, uh, which would be kind of amazing. Um, even on the blue line, right? The the Sharks, other than Matt Benning, who's out for the season, this might also be the healthiest we've seen on this blue line. So Coming out of the break, uh, an actual healthy Sharks team who has been playing better, especially with Logan Couture's return. Um, you know, going into the break, they had won four out of six games, uh, much to chagrin of Sharks uh, fans wanting rooting for the tank. But this team has been playing better, and it has been a lot of the younger players kind of leading the way with some of these veteran guys. Who are some of the younger players that are giving Sharks fans hope for the future? Uh, two forwards, uh, in particular, Fabian Zetterlin, who was a piece of the Timo Meyer trade from New Jersey. He's kind of having his breakout season, uh, this year. And this is kind of what you hoped and what you heard from, from Devils fans when he was traded. Uh, he's second on the team in goals and has really kind of provided, uh, as the kids say, he's got that dog in him, uh, when he plays, you can kind of see where he's just nonstop motor, uh, goes on the forecheck uh, and you really see why Devils fans were kind of reluctant to give up Zetterlin and this year he's really kind of proving his value for the Sharks and of course uh, seventh overall pick in the 2021 draft William Eklund uh, first full year in the NHL and he's had his ups and downs this year but you've seen David Quinn kind of have a plan with him uh, where he's been given a top six minutes but then you know uh, Eklund kind of went through a scoring slump uh, discussed with Eklund hey we know you've been playing well and you just maybe haven't gotten rewarded we're gonna put you on the third line for a little bit maybe you play some easier competition Guess what? Eklund finds the scoring touch again, and then he's been kind of bumped up back up into the top six. Uh, so Eklund, though, you really have seen the flashes of why the Sharks picked him seventh overall, and why a lot of Sharks fans have kind of picking him as the the first uh, kind of franchise cornerstone in their rebuild. And when the Sharks get some more scoring talent around, uh, you can see why Eklund is going to be a, a huge, huge piece of uh, the great Sharks years to come. You talked about some fans maybe being disappointed that they won four out of six. Uh, yes. We know this is a, a major rebuild going on. How do you see the plan coming together in the big picture? I think Mike Greer is is being very patient, right? And he wants you know to have young, kind of aggressive players who kind of fit his mold right and you hear that like aggressive or like kind of in your face attitude and you kind of think of like third liners or kind of the, those type of players but no like he wants skilled players you know you look at this last year's draft right uh will smith who's again not the biggest guy he's six foot 180 pounds but uber talented but also kind of does play that in your face type of, of style uh quentin musty who they they got uh in the at 26 pick uh big physical 
gifted winger who's going to just be an absolute monster. But again, combining that skill with uh, that kind of in your face men, uh, kind of mentality. And uh, even a guy like Eklund, right. Uh, who's, I think you're starting to kind of see him play with that, that kind of in your face uh, mentality. And it's going to be a long process, but you can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's very small, but you can start to see it maybe grow a little bit. I think uh, the Sharks going to be in position to probably get a another top five, if not top three, or luck, hopefully a top of the top pick in the draft in this year. You can see where this team has been kind of clearing out a lot of their dead space. Uh, they're keeping key veterans around, guys like Tomas Hurdle and Logan Couture, to kind of help the younger players um, along, right? I, I think you, you look at a lot of rebuilds where maybe like a team like the Senators, where they just get a bunch of young guys and let them go out there and kind of figure things out. Um, but then you have a lot of teams who will, you know, kind of try to have these key veterans along to help kind of guide these young guys um that way they can learn you know the right way to play hockey and a winning attitude and all that fun stuff uh but i do think it's kind of important to have these guys who've kind of been there and done that and you know logan couture has been in the league for 15 years vlasic has been in the league forever um having these guys around to kind of help uh some of these young guys who are trying to figure things out um it's still like i don't expect this team to be a playoff team you know next year the next couple years but uh, I think they are setting up sustainable success. I think that's what you want, right? You don't want that kind of flash in the pan where like, hey, cool, we made the playoffs, uh, but then you kind of maybe take a step back. You want to be that next great team that the go on that another 15-year run like the Sharks had. So it, with that in mind, with the fact that they're keeping some key veterans around to try to educate the kids, what do you expect to happen as the NHL trade deadline approaches? Uh, I think the Sharks will still be kind of major players uh, trying to move away off some pieces. Uh, I don't feel like this trade deadline, there's not as much juice. Uh, maybe it's just me, but I feel like there's not as much juice. You don't have like the team of Myers. You don't have some of these other kind of big, big uh, potential superstar names. But, you know, I look at a guy like Anthony Duclair, who the Sharks traded for this offseason. He's kind of had an up and down season, but I think on a, a team, uh, you know, maybe with a little bit more offensive talent, uh, Duclair would be a really nice kind of second line forward, uh, former 30 goal scorer. Uh, he's a big name that for the Sharks, uh, I think Mario Ferraro, uh, potentially. I know he's got a couple years left on his deal, but uh, you look at teams like the Leafs, right, who are trying to kind of add to the defensive core. Uh, Ferraro is a guy who can kind of slide in, be your fourth, uh, fourth defenseman and really add to good defensive value. And then I, I think a big question for the Sharks is the goaltending, right? Capo Kakin and Mackenzie Blackwood, If you, I know if you look at the save percentage numbers, they're not great. But these guys have been playing really, really well on a really, really bad Sharks team. And uh, Blackwood, who's uh, t- uh, this year and next year on a very affordable deal, and Capo Kakin is in the last year of his deal, I think teams are – uh, sitting around asking to see if these guys could be available to kind of come in and help support, uh, you know, maybe you, your starter or uh, get, at least give your starter a little bit of breather going into the playoff run if you've kind of established yourself or at least give you a really solid backup if you need a guy, uh, if your starter does go down. Or, But I think that's going to be the big question for the Sharks because they've struggled to find goaltending uh, this year among all years. When you're one of the worst teams in the league, you actually have good goaltending. What do you do with it? Do you keep it and let it ride? Or do you try to maybe sell high on these guys? So I, I think the Sharks are still going to be really, really active at this trade deadline. Uh, no Timo Meyer or Eric Carlson type of trades, but I think they're going to, uh, Mike Greer is going to try to get whatever he can for some of these players. So. And, and when you say get whatever he can still prospects and picks at this point. Yeah. I, I think Mike Greer, his it's, it's, NHL 
ready prospects, guys who are probably going to be ready, maybe a year away. Uh, you look at like Shakira Mukabadoulin, who was a big piece of the, the Timo Meyer trade. Uh, he's had an outstanding year in the AHL, was uh, uh, Barracuda's representative in the AHL All-Star game, made his NHL debut before uh, the the All-Star break. And he, if it wasn't for the log jam in defense, I think he would be playing um, in the NHL for the rest of the season. I expect him to play NHL games. But guys like that who are really close to kind of making their NHL debut that way every all these pieces sort of kind of fit together right that way you're not having kind of two different timelines so I think that that's what Greer's looking for all right JD why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media of course, you can find the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can watch on YouTube as well. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Locked On Sharks. You can follow me on Twitter at My Fryhole. All right, JD, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and a lot more. And it's not just the NBA. You could use your hockey knowledge on FanDuel. Check out the latest odds and props for your favorite teams and players. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Great to welcome back to the show, the host of Locked On Penguins, Hunter Hodes. And uh, Hunter, I can't figure out your team. Maybe you can help me out here. One minute, they look like they could beat anybody. And the next minute, they look like they would lose to their AHL farm team. Please explain what's going on in Pittsburgh right now. Isn't it funny? They kind of have the Steelers syndrome in a way where they can show up to play some of the really good teams. And then against the mid to bad teams, they kind of struggle. And you saw that this week. They dominate a pretty good Winnipeg Jets team at home and they stick to the blueprint, which has, you know, gotten them to shut out Vegas at home this year. They've shut out the Colorado Avalanche at home this year. They've beaten, you know, your Islanders twice, one on the road and one at home. They've also been able to beat the Hurricanes at home. They crush the Flyers on the road. And it's when they're playing boring hockey or just keeping teams to the outside while also getting at least a little bit of offense that I think they're at their best. And then you go to Minnesota, a team that's below them in the standings. And yeah, it's Marc-Andre Fleury night, but then they kind of just struggle through 40 minutes. They're able to tie the game in the third, and then they give up a back-breaking goal a little over halfway through the third period, and you're not able to get any points. And then you lose on Sunday. You go 0 for 4 in terms of getting points on a back-to-back. And now at this point, you're setting seven points back for the Flyers at this point, and about eight or nine points back of the final wild card spot. They've had games in hand these last couple of weeks, but I've been saying on my show, those only matter if you win them. And you start off with the second, the unofficial second half, really strong with the win against Winnipeg. And then you blow these two games, which are games in hand. And now it's going to start getting a lot harder because those games in hand are about to go away. And yeah, I mean, they've really been struggling to find that consistency all year. They haven't had that five to six to seven to 10 game winning streak that I feel like they've really needed to fully get back into the race. I mean, they've been in the race, but they haven't, you know, been a point or two out of the final wildcard spot or a point or two behind the Flyers. They've been kind of hovering around 
four to five to six points back. And now it's even further back because they just haven't been able to string consistent efforts. They've, you know, they'll rotate win, loss, win, win, loss, but that's just not good enough, right? You know, they had that stretch of play after December into January where they went nine and three and two in about 14 games. And after that, they just went back to being inconsistent. And it's just been a chore to watch at times outside of, you know, what Sidney Crosby's doing. Tristan Jari has been fantastic. Jake Gensel has been awesome. Even in a down year, I think Evgeny Malkin is still playing really well. He's just not getting help on his linemates. And then, you know, they have a few defensemen who aren't up to par. The depth is not all the way there. It's just been a real struggle for this team, I feel like, outside of a few players this season. If I would have told most hockey fans before the season started that we'd be in mid-February and the Penguins would be 25th in the league in goals scored and 30th in the league on the power play, most of them would not have believed that. What's going on? I mean, you talked about the stars. Where's the scoring depth right now? I mean, the scoring depth has been non-existent this year. And it's funny, Gil, the, the Penguins were 22nd in goals just a couple of days ago. Now you said it's dropped the 25th. That just goes to show that they're not getting any scoring outside of a few players. Sidney Crosby has been awesome this year. It's I think it's been a heart trophy caliber year from Sid at 36 years old. Jake Gensel has been playing phenomenal. Evgeny Malkin, he's had some bad games, but I think he's also played at a decent level. But after that, Brian Rush has struggled. Ricard Raquel has been a ghost. Riley Smith has been a terrible fit after I really liked the trade at the time. And then on the third and fourth lines, there's just no scoring there at all. Lars Eller can contribute sometimes. Drew O'Connor has been contributing throughout the year, but that's really it. Noah Chari, who was signed as a defense first forward, he's not chipping in offensively. He's also hurt right now. Matt Nieto signing has been a dud. He's also been banged up. But even when he was in the lineup, he wasn't doing anything. Jansen Harkins on the fourth line has four points in 34 games. Jeff Carter, who, who I think has been a bit better this year compared to last year, you know, he's still, that, that it's not, the depth is not cutting it. And I said this on July 1 when Kyle Dubas made all these moves. I gave him a C because I didn't really see where the goal scoring was coming from outside of a few players. Well, we've seen that pretty nicely so, so far this season in terms of how there's just no scoring depth. And Adam Gretz of Pennsburg pointed this out. The Penguins have scored three goals in only two of their last 15 games, or wow. three, three plus goals, something around there. That's unacceptable. And you're not going to win in the NHL if you're just scoring one to two goals a game. And Josh Yoey of the Athletic, he even took it a step further. The last time they scored more than three goals in a game was early January. Early January. I mean, that's just insane to me. You think of the Pittsburgh Penguins, you think of a team that can light teams up four goal games, five goal games, six to seven goal games, but they're not even getting three goals at this point. As, as Adam said, three goals in two of their last 15 games, more than three goals, not since in a month. And as for the power play, it has been a chore to watch that unit. They've had to separate Crosby and Malkin on the power play, which I mean, they don't really usually do that too often. There's no shoot first mentality. It's a lot of Geno playing catch with Eric Carlson at the point. The zone entries are putrid. Everything about that unit has been awful this season. And it's funny. If they had a functioning, even an average power play, they'd probably have, I would say, 9 to 10, 11 more points in the standings. Last night, this their, their game against Winnipeg, this comes courtesy of the Penguins War, Justin Guerriero, I think is how you pronounce his last name. They have 14 one-goal losses this season. And the power play in those 14 goal losses, 14 one-goal losses, 6 for 59. I just can't even believe I'm saying that because 
you think of all that talent, the Hall of Famers on that unit, and they're still continuing to be this bad. It's unacceptable. And I just can't believe they haven't even at least made a change to the coaching staff. Todd Reardon is the one who runs that power play. And they're still trotting him out there on the coaching bench. Like he's not doing anything wrong, even though I think he should have been fired a few weeks ago. I, I just, the, the more the season goes by, I, I just don't fully know what the plan is at this point, considering they went all in over the off season. Question about this, Eric Carlson, Chris Letang, are, are they kind of hindering each other a little bit because they're both such similar style players? I wouldn't say so. I think both have been really good so far this season. I think Eric Carlson, he'd have more points if the Penguins weren't the worst finishing team in the league. They are the 32nd team in terms of finishing. And this is not just a one-year thing. They have been a terrible finishing team for the last two seasons. I think it's some combination of, A, not having finishers because you look at the bottom six right now, it's absolute garbage. B, the system a little bit, even though they're usually a top 10 team in terms of expected goals. And I mean, that's really, I think, all there is. And also, I would say bad luck. I think bad luck is a little bit part of it. But I mean, 32nd in finishing, man. He'd have more points this year if this team actually could finish at five on five. But he's been as advertised. I would say, I think the people that are harping on that trade, I don't fully think are watching this team on an every night basis. That's just how I see it. Latang has been fabulous. And sure, the offense may not be there as much as it has been recent years, but. He's been great on the penalty kill. He's been great at five on five, great in his own zone. He's kind of turned into maybe a little bit of a different defenseman this year in terms of how great he's been in his own zone while the Penguins are letting Carlson cook a little bit more in the offensive zone. Now they have let Letang quarterback the top power play a little bit these last couple of weeks. It looks more natural when he's up there, but I don't think they've kind of hindered each other. I don't think this is like a Burns Carlson thing that you saw in San Jose. They feed off each other. And I think they've both been great together this season. So what do you expect this team to do at the trade deadline? It's a great question. You know, I think I'm at this point now. I'll believe it when I see it, when it comes to them trading Jake Ensel. I know people are saying, you know, you don't want to lose him for nothing. You don't want to lose him for nothing. And I get it. I get that. But the return you're probably going to get is magic means from Jack's Beanstalk Beans. That's what I've been saying on the show here. You're just going to get a prospect who's not going to project to probably be that good a first round pick, which is going to be in the twenties. And you don't even know if that player is ever going to sift the NHL and a roster player. Who's probably going to play in the bottom six. You know, I also think the factor of pissing Sidney Crosby off is very real. I don't think he would be happy if Jake got traded considering how much he loves playing with him, how I think he's going to want him to resign after this season. I will believe it when I see it. Now I think I'm of the opinion if they are serious about winning this year, and they should be, you got wet. Eric Carlson over the offseason, you signed all of these players. You filled up your cap space basically in one day on July 1. But you need to go out there and make a move right now if you are serious about winning. If you don't, then you're obviously just not really caring where this season goes. And that's just a kind of a disservice to Sidney Crosby, who is putting together a Hart Trophy caliber season. It's a disservice to Jake Ensel. And it's a disservice to Tristan Jari, who is playing like one of the best goaltenders in hockey. He's eighth in goal state above expected this season. He's making a lot of us eat crow for how good he's been this year. I've been wanting him to try and get his redemption in the playoffs because I think he deserves to show that he's changed after what happened against the Islanders in 2021. And he's been great. He was fantastic against Winnipeg on Saturday. It was one of the only reasons why the Penguins had a chance to tie that game late. But at the end of the day, Dubas needs to make a decision. Now you either get some help now or up it to the deadline, or you kind of, I mean, if you want to sell, I mean, whatever, I, I personally wouldn't, but 
you, you if you were serious about winning, you need to make a move ASAP because you're not going to get many more kicks at the can with Sid, Chino, Latang, Eric Carlson, and, and company. You're you're just not. So they got to figure this out really soon. And a lot of fans are upset, and I would say rightfully so to how du- patient Dubis is being. But it's time for him to maybe start working the phones a little bit and see what he can do to maybe give this team a jolt that it really needs for the rest of this month and into March. You know, you look at their next six games, five of those six games are at home. You have some pretty winnable games in there. They're going to have to really bang points and win what's left of their games in hand to fully get back into the race here. All right, Hunter, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, you can follow the Locked on Penguins podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Amazon Music, Sirius XM. I co-host the show with Patrick Dam. You can follow him on Twitter at Synonym for Wet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. And, yeah, we'll see what this team can do down the stretch. All right, Hunter, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Rep, thank you so much, Gil. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Now you can also find it on Amazon Fire TV. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Find the Locked On Sports Today channel now on Amazon Fire TV. I want to thank everyone for joining me today. I want to thank Rachel Donner of Locked On Flyers, J.D. Young of Locked On Sharks, and Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins. I'm Gil Martin. I host the Monday edition of Locked On NHL, and I co-host the Friday edition along with Rachel Donner. I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget, we are here every day, Monday through Friday, bringing you the biggest stories from around the league. I want to thank everyone for joining us today. Have a safe day and a good day, and thanks for listening to and watching the Locked On NHL podcast.